Welcome to SwitchCast. I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars and Cannonball Run record holder. And we are back with you tonight, not live. This is a pre-recorded episode, so no call-ins, no questions tonight, but we are here with you. Uh, we come to you from Cleveland, but not Cleveland, Ohio, actually Cleveland, Georgia. And we had a couple YouTuber guests on, none other than Freddie Tavares Hernandez and Jared Pink. They are hosts of the show uh, Wrench Every Day and Tavarish, right? Is it Tavarish? What the heck is this YouTube channel? Jeepers, you'd think I'd know. I do know. I'm just uh, yeah, trying to go off the cuff here. So they are YouTube sensations. You probably know Freddie most for his uh, rescuing of the Pimp My Ride minivan, but both of them are fairly accomplished mechanics. Uh, I think Jared is more of a seasoned professional and Freddie is a uh, garage hack, but he has certainly uh, turned that into something pretty impressive in, in terms of the, the cars that he's been able to work on and uh, help the viewers learn how to work on and, and made it really, really entertaining along the way. Both of them are fantastic guys, a lot of fun to hang out with, and we were down at Drift University together. And, uh, of course, we had varying levels of skill. I'm not going to say who was the best, but um, it wasn't Freddie, and he will readily admit that. But uh, he, he learned quite a bit there. Uh, the, the great thing about drift school or any driving school is you can go from absolutely any starting point and always learn something. So we had a great interview and uh, I'll just leave it to you guys. We'll go right into the show and uh, enjoy the interview. All right, so I'm here with Jared Pink, uh, host of Wrench Every Day uh, on Tavares' channel and producer crew of Car Trek. Did I get all that right? Well, not a producer of Car Trek, but most all of it. I'm, I'm crew, prop master, drone pilot, uh, occasional stunt driver of Car Trek. <laughs> It's one of those things where we run such a small crew of Car Trek that uh, we all wear about 30 hats. <laughs> nice. Yep. But. Yep. Okay. All right. So to to take a step back, so you are a YouTuber, which is every six-year-old's dream right. now, but uh, uh, you, you got there because you work on cars. And as, um, as your father-in-law said when I met him yesterday, you're really good at teaching. So... Give me the the background, like way rewind to when you're a kid, and kind of give me the journey of where you started, the 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 road along the way, and and how it ended up here. So it, it's kind of a real fun story. Like I look back and realize that if I didn't have supportive parents that let me cause all the destruction that I did growing up, I would have never actually made it along <laughs> this path. Um, just I was always curious to figure out how something would work. So we would buy okay. some new appliance, new tool, new anything, and I would be immediately taking it apart. And that slowly transitioned into, I like to go fast. And we had 10-speed bicycles, and I looked at an old riding lawnmower, and I noticed it had similar-looking gears. And I'm like, well, as I'm riding my bicycle, the chain does this, I go faster. So I made some gears, put it on a lawnmower, 
and hauled down the road <laughs> at 30 miles an hour with my mom in tow to tell me how fast I was going. Um, so it was just this continued progression of, you know, we started with bikes, then it was a lawnmower. Then I actually at 14 had a uh, race car and was on a NASCAR short track doing that. And it just, no one in my family really is a wrench. It just, for whatever reason, I fell into it and was supportive, you know, people around me. I was able to kind of grow with that, grow with that. Um, moved out, needed a job, and I'm like, well, I can work on stuff. So I just started working in a shop um, just as an oil changer initially and just slowly progressed and learned. And the main thing was a curiosity. And sure. I was always trying to figure out why something worked, why, if something broke, why did it break? And made a lot of mistakes and broke a lot of things. So moved to Georgia and started working at a Toyota dealership. And wow. so did you have any formal oh. training? Did you go to ASE school or anything? Nothing. I just, I'm a big fan. And when people ask me the best way to start out and especially in the era with the internet now and how much information is available, what you would spend in a school versus buying a $500 mechanic special broken car and $300 worth of tools and just doing, hmm. you will learn so much more hands on. And the trick would be if you go to a school, find a school that is 80% hands-on because what you're sitting down and reading in a classroom, it, it's hard to figure out. So the, the main training I did get is while I was working at Toyota, there's certification, so they send you down to schools. And every time I'd get sent down, there's always the person kind of at the top of the class and then there's the bottom person at the bottom of the class. And the instructor always had to kind of go lowest common denominator, made sure everyone could catch and figure on and kind of going to that teaching element the instructors loved having me in class because I love sharing knowledge explaining and showing how things were done so I would get paired up with whoever needed the most help and we just kind of have our own classroom we'd figure out material together go out in the the workshops and get things done but unfortunately teaching doesn't pay very well sure <laughs> so that it was wasn't able to really pursue that teaching but worked through the toyota program which led me going into uh transitioning from dealership to performance working on the toyota supras nissan gtrs and again it's, it was just a matter of tearing things apart figuring out how they worked uh the big gamble we had when i worked with the company speed for sale in 2008 we had the fourth gtr in atlanta and no one knew how that transmission worked so i looked at the owner i'm like well, let's take it apart and figure it out. And he's like, you know how? And I'm like, nobody does, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> I don't think Nissan did it that <laughs> yeah, time exactly. either. They just threw new ones in. I actually, I had a GTR in 2009 that had a bad transmission. And, you know, at, at the time uh, when they came out, you know, they had that launch control. That was a, it was a big deal uh, at, uh, in 2009. Now every company has launch control on their cars, right. but that was, man, that was innovative. But then... A few months after it came out, they said, oh, you can't use it because yeah. if you use the feature we gave you, we'll void the warranty, which, you know, brought up all sorts of legal problems for them. But regardless, I um, I had the one I had, the first one I ever had, I probably launched 20, 30, 50 times before <laughs> I got that memo. And I was like, well, it's hasn't blown up yet. So um, but anyway, I, I got another one that was basically brand new. It had like a hundred miles on it right from the dealer and it came in with a bad transmission. So I assumed that somebody at the dealership had taken it out and, and joy ridden it and blown up the transmission 
and it turns out is actually just a bad one from the factory. So they just stuck a brand new one in under warranty. Yeah, that, well, and that transmission was so complex. Like the there's pistons that it's a manual transmission that's basically electronically controlled at, at its core. And there's pistons that move back and forth. And when I took it all apart, put it back together, I didn't realize there's magnets on one side to act as a position sensor. Oh, so we put it all together. Nothing works. And I'm kind of <laughs> so I take it back apart and I'm just looking at it. And I notice, oh, there's a little bit of metal filings right here. So I chase it with a magnet, and I'm like, oh, okay, those are position sensors. Put it back together, and it works. Right. So they're, they're right. so incredibly complex, and it's it's neat looking at that and realizing someone sat down and imagined that and created it because the complexity that goes in, like engineers that create, astound me to be able to just, oh, we're going to put two different input shafts on top of each other so you can have second gear engaged while you're still in first gear and that's a whole level of smart that i i'm, I'm not there but maybe one day <laughs> <laughs> yeah did you guys see many blown transmissions from people launching their cars or was that just something nissan was doing to cover their butts uh, that's really where they were i think covering their butt now if you went back to back to back and got it incredibly hot you would break them, or the other thing you would get from launching is wheel hop, which is when you start to accelerate, the tire has traction, then suddenly loses it, and then on an independent, independent suspension, it starts bouncing. So it just mm -hmm. gets worse and worse and worse, and that drivetrain shock was so extreme, you would actually break the case and spit right. differential gears out the bottom. So my, uh, my C5 Corvette does that a fair amount even on old tires because i'm always I, i'm leaving stoplights you know yeah. sideways half the time <laughs> but uh yeah every now and then i get some wheel hop and um my mechanic couldn't understand why when i change i have him change my diff oil every year and why it's black yeah. i'm like dude, dude i told you <laughs> like <laughs> i beat on this car he's like yeah but there's no way you changed this last year i'm like yeah yes i did yes i did anyway that's a <laughs> side yeah. tangent there but okay so uh, talk about speed for sale for yeah. a little bit people in the um in the tuner industry obviously know what speed for sale yeah. it was a legendary tuner company but give us a little background of that company yeah so speed for sale i came on when it was actually the owner jeremy ran it out of his house it started off where he found the toyota supra you could find them pretty cheap and then suddenly they started selling for a lot of money so he would buy much like you did do with cars um he would find cheap Supras, buy them up, and sell them. People liked how he was doing it, so they started asking, hey, can we get some parts from you as well? And then it turned into, can you install parts? So we started out out of his basement and moved into a shop where we did a ton of really cool stuff with Supras. We had, uh, working with Stu Hagen, had a really cool, the twin turbo Supra is a sequential twin, and we had an upgraded setup that where it would look completely stock, but you could make 700 wheel horsepower. Um, so just lots wow. of yeah just most most people are doing large single turbos on those right to to get big power out of them yeah absolutely and early in turbo technology big singles were just very slow to come on to power um sure so, so yeah. that's where the sequentials worked really well you could have that snappy power response but eventually turbo technology caught up to where unless you had to have a stock appearance or wanted it it just made more financial sense to do a modern single turbo on it. So we did a lot of cool stuff with that. Um, and then again, the GTR came out and we just worked with them and, and had a ton of fun building them. Uh, we, I still remember one car we were building. It was at the very beginning of the, the era of the GTR and we'd get it done, start it, put it onto the dyno, and then there'd be some new and great. 
And the customer's like, well, I want that. And we're like, you don't want to drive the car we just spent all this money and time building. He's like, no, no, I want the new the new turbo kit. Well, because uh, they had to post on the forum how fast their car was and what they had on it. It didn't matter if they drove it. It, it pretty much does seem like that was kind of uh, the direction that the, he was going, was chasing clout and not so much driving the car. Uh, I had another really cool GTR we built. Um, the customer showed me a couple pictures of different GTRs he liked, said, this is my power target. I want it to look on your interpretation of that. You have $180,000 to do it. And that was it. Like I tried to send him pictures or ask a particular part. And his answer was just, I showed you what I'd like. I want your interpretation of it. And that was the most nerve wracking build ever because he would give no feedback, no input, and he's just in paint and body and custom parts was $80,000. Holy cow. And I could show him the car and have him go, yeah, that's not what I wanted. So that oh, was a gosh. very uh, very nerve-wracking reveal. Thankfully, he absolutely loved it and, and just took the car everywhere and beat the heck out of it. But that that is... I don't want to say that's a bad customer, but when you're putting that much on your builder to just say... I kind of like this. Give me your interpretation with no feedback. Like that's that's some trust, which I appreciate. Yeah, but that's some pressure. That's some pressure <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, gotcha. How many how many of those cars that you were building were going overseas? So most of our exports, we only did two or three build cars that went overseas. We sold a tremendous amount of parts internationally, um, but um, we were talking uh, at the track yesterday that we did. 20 or 30 cars just in the early days in 2008, 2009, when they weren't available globally yet, where we would get the cars, send them overseas. Okay. Yep. Yep. And I was doing some of that too. Yeah. Mo most of my customers, I think were domestic, but yeah, when I was, when I was flipping GTRs, a few of them did go overseas sometimes through intermediaries yeah. people had you know from different countries had family here and you know they were the ones with the connections to to get them over there but um yeah so i was selling them in the u.s to a lot of you know foreign sounding names yeah. so um i'm trying to think of the 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 company so obviously there's a lot of companies chasing gtr tuning i think you know, Nissan said at the time that that ECU couldn't be cracked. And I think it was more of a challenge. Like it was marketing, right? right? Like, oh, I keep this a secret. Wink, wink. Um, so all the tuning companies jumped on it because they wanted to be the ones that crack it. And it just became, you know, it was like the 90s again. It, it was yeah. it was a it was a tuner war um, up in Cleveland. Um, gosh, darn it. Schweitzer. Oh, Switzer, yep. Schweitzer. I still don't know how he pronounces it. But, um, yeah, they were sending a lot of. Uh, cars and kits overseas because over in Russia, I guess it was a big thing. They were all racing them over there, 900 horsepower. I'm sure AMS was shipping packages. Were you guys doing tuning packages for the GTR? Like, did you have bolt-on parts and have you like your 800, 900 horsepower kit? Yeah. So we had, you know, kind of up to the 800 horsepower, the full bolt-on level. We had our own downpipes, midpipes, exhaust, uh, some of the intercooler stuff, but we worked where we found a lot of success was working with AMS and just kind of being a dealer with all of them. And okay. um, we wouldn't dedicate to just one brand. And anytime we set up with a new manufacturer, we always said, we're going to offer like, 
I felt like that gave us the best advantage to offer a complete package, like what sure. fit a customer's need rather than just doing a single brand. It's like, all right, this is how you're going to achieve your goals the best way. We did do our own transmission builds. We worked with Dotson Motorsports, which is the premier GTR transmission company. Like they were pioneers in getting gear sets and hold just about every record in the GTR platform and now her like lamborghini audi everything they're just they're right. the dual clutch you know Kings. transmission company yeah. how, um, how how wh at what horsepower level did the stock transmission start to break down so so you'd really start running out of the factory clutches anytime you're over 750 um early okay. on it was lower um we just didn't have the transmission tuning yet yeah. Um, the software hadn't been cracked. It was a while before we had full control on that side. So you'd see a lot, a lot of clutch failures early on. And then your biggest killers were first gears on launch controls with really sticky tires. Um, that could be done at stock power levels. Um, but it, it really, you can keep the GTR transmission happy up to about 800. Uh, especially with the modern tuning, but if you're going to beat on it, you at least need to do clutches and some of the other basic small upgrades. They were bad about popping off uh, circlips, um, which were our gear retainers, and that would be from being on throttle, off throttle, and, and things like that. You would break uh, fourth gear, really like to start breaking at about 900 horsepower, and fourth gear lives on the very end of the little stubby even gear input shaft. So it's at the end with no support, and it's a very thin gear, and you start seeing what's called a, a root fracture of, of the gear tooth, where it just you get little small small breaks, and then suddenly spits it out, and then you have metal blowing everything up really bad. Sounds like you need an automotive dentist for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> root canal. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Office, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our Switch Cars dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save a whopping 25.39% at checkout. Um, okay, so... Uh, not to get too lost in the weeds right. of, of, of a 10-year-old car, but um, uh, so you worked at Speed for Sale. Um, sounds like it, it sounds like a really cool transition from a Toyota dealer to a tuning company like that. Got to yep. explore, got to uh, learn um, what happened with Speed for Sale. So I know yep. from my end, like I knew Jeremy... Um, I think we sold him a, a GTR early on, and then his emails just started bouncing a few years ago. So what went down there? Yeah, so kind of towards the end, um, he, you know, it, it's it's one of the things that happens to a lot of small companies. Unfortunately, there's a level of success, and then you have employees that can run everything. And he just he had had some personal struggles and some uh, alcohol abuse, and it had him check out more and more. And unfortunately we needed two or three keys basically you know financial keys and we could have kept it going and tragically just he wanted to maintain that control and did none of it and ran the books upside down so that ended up ended up closing a very successful company that didn't need to but it's it's one of those things where it's very unfortunate i hate 
how some things happen, but they always end up leading to an exciting path. Like right as that, I won't say at the very end, um, but w working at a sports car shop, you know, tuning shop, I buy a lot of used parts and had a huge collection of, you know, parts for whenever I got to build my own car. And I happened to sell Tavarish a part for his super right when he started to look for him. So we started talking and, and knew each other and I came down and helped him with the project. So I'm venting to him as the, the shop is closing. I'm trying to get customers. The worst thing that will ever happen in a speed shop when it closes is if the doors just close. Everyone's cars are right. inside. Right. All of their Same parts. thing with a car dealer, all of that. Yeah. yeah. Like the FBI it, shows up and everybody's cars are in there and you have to go to court to get them back. Yeah, and you have to have a receipt for everything down to a nut and bolt. Like your name can be written on a part, but if that business has outstanding debt and you don't have a receipt showing that that is actually your part, you don't get it back. So in the middle of my mad scramble of just trying to get every customer their belongings back before the door shuttered, um, had some people kind of get unrationally angry with me, not understanding, you know, the amount of effort I'm doing. And at this point I was working unpaid, you know, and I, I had put a lot of money trying to help just prop the place up and, you know, got a fly flying around, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was trying to get Welcome all of that done. South. Yeah. But just as again, all of that was happening, uh, Tavarish was like, man, you were kind of good on camera. Why don't you come on board with Wrench Every Day with me, come down and do some builds and just kind of, you know, try out this YouTube thing. And that's kind of where, where it's ended up. Like I said, there's unfortunate things that happen, but I, I have the attitude of just keep going forward. And if, if you sit around too much in a bad situation, you know, you're, you're going to start staying. What is it? What is this saying? I think if you sit and poo too long you're just gonna smell like poo like get, get up and out of it like there's no point in sitting around in it it's so. a very unprofound but yeah. profound yeah. saying at the same time that's just just a simple way of saying it like if if, if you hang around with stink you're gonna stink so sure right uh, so it's right. it's led to just an insane adventure of building some cool cars we're doing car trek you know all of us pretending to be top gear and, <laughs> and that is so much work but again it's just a ton of fun so sure okay nice uh so you have recently acquired your own shop here yeah. um so that speed for sale was three years ago four years ago that uh almost three it was october 2019 okay. all right so you started um working on tavarish's cars and uh, doing some stuff there. And then from there, you started your own channel and opened your own shop here. Yeah. So, well, uh, Wrench Every Day existed before. He had, was doing that with Andrew. And it was it had turned into a situation where he was doing all the work, for the most part, on both channels. What? Huh? What? Huh? Oh, no, he's asking me something. He, he, he said, is that a, is this, did you get that from this place? No. Okay. My wife got it for yeah, me. Yeah, that, that's what I <laughs> You said his name three times. You've summoned him. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, um... David, David, David. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Where's he at? He's, like, creeping outside oh, yeah. there. So, uh, ended up taking over the primary effort with Wrench Every Day, and I had a shared space that I was working on, and it just... It never worked out in a good spot, and we were kind of having projects for when I was in Florida and projects for when I'm home here in Georgia, and this space opened up, and it's just been amazing. It's big, bright. I'm able to keep 
a bunch of projects. So we've got Wrench Every Day projects in Florida. We've got them here. We've got Tavares projects in Florida. It's it's a lot of work, but a ton of fun. It's just it's nice to have a space. Yeah, yeah, sure it is. I I know the feeling. <laughs> What's the what's the coolest project you have working on now besides the transcon? <laughs> yeah, the transconvent. That's probably the most frustrating project you it, have, it, right? It really is because now every time you fix something, you find three other problems. Some of them are improper work. Some of it is just it's a really bad idea to put that big of an engine in a car that has no airflow to keep it cool. Right. And, and no room for any of right. it. Which um, is exactly what Brock Yates learned when he did it. Like yep. he, he, he wanted to build this crazy van for the cannonball and immediately realized, as we've all realized time and time again, that modified cars are very difficult and stuffing a big motor and transmission into a car that's not made for it you know, often has consequences. It, it may work for a quarter mile, but it doesn't work for 2,800 miles. So not, not at all, man. We've, we've got a lot of, they're all very cool in their own way. We're doing a pretty insane Lexus, uh, big turbo build for drag racing. Um, I think probably one of my favorite cars is our Nissan 300 ZX. It's, it's the Genesis project car of wrench every day that I inherited. Um, I went and hung out with Derek from Vice Grip Garage at Eclitus and Cars and Vent doing while they were doing burnouts. And I'm like, I want to do this. Like, this is just fun. So we're building a Chevy 450, 454 cubic inch big block engine, has a tunnel ram, and I've I've teased pictures with two superchargers stacked on top of each other, but we're going to just build the most absurd twin supercharge setup anyone has ever seen on the top of this big block. And the goal is for that to go to Cletus and Carr's Bristol, which is September 3rd. Because I figured a good debut is inside the Thunderdome of, you know, NASCAR's Bristol track. Like, it's such an insane track that have to have, have to have that car there. But and they all are cool in their that's own way. That's going to be cool to see. That, that's the most insane that I'm excited about. So Nice. Awesome. Well, we're going to uh, go to some commercials, and Jared's going to eat some lunch, yeah. and then we'll be back with you guys. Nathan's Detailing is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Nathan's Detailing is a company in Cleveland, Ohio that provides mobile detailing services for individuals and dealerships. They also offer PPF and ceramic coating installations. With over 800 Google reviews and an impressive 4.9 star rating, Nathan's Detailing is the go-to shop for all of your detailing and protection needs. With Nathan's, convenience is key. Their mobile detailing technicians bring the power, water, and supplies to your home or work and detail your car on site. Check out the link in our description for free interior fabric protection or leather conditioning with your purchase. At Nathan's Detailing, this smiles for you. Any good massage therapists around here? Uh, I'm not I, one I, that I, you don't, want. I don't know you enough to, to just, you know what, fuck it, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go for it. Oh, that's I asked for good. I listen. How many teeth do they have to have? This is we're in North Georgia. I really we're in North care Georgia. This is the best you're gonna strong get. Hands. Strong hands. That guy selling the watermelons might. <laughs> he knows how to handle a rind. <laughs> that guy selling the watermelons might be the guy that we saw last night. You should go back to the parking lot and do another big handbrake turn. Be like, I need your help, buddy. <laughs> I got a knot right here. <laughs> You said not to come back, but I feel like you weren't being genuine with me. <laughs> that was, come back, please. You said don't do it again, but you didn't offer a threat afterwards. So yeah. I wanted to find out what the consequences were. <laughs> Could it please be a massage on my shoulder? 
That's, that's so inappropriate for another man to rub my shoulders. Please don't do it. Wink. Oh, no. I would hate for that to happen. Wait, before you start, I have one question. How firm are your melons? <laughs> And how much do they cost? Wait, you need to go back in the Corvette, do a big handbrake <laughs> right next to them, roll down the window. So, how firm are those melons? <laughs> and then just peel out of the parking lot. So yesterday when we were driving back from uh, from the from Drift University, I was I forgot what we were towing, and I forgot where we are. That is Alabama royalty, like that Z06. There was there was a there was a lady that w- when we went to uh, stop for gas, she freaked out. She was like, "Was she more than fifty? She was more than fifty. Okay, yes. it's yes. cougar royalty as well. Oh, ab- abso- okay. absolutely. But she was very interested. She was like, "Do you have a wife? Do you want another one? Like that's that's what she said. And I'm like, oh, "All right, okay." She's like, "You must have some money." I'm like, D- "Like it's." It's cheap to be rich in Alabama. <laughs> Listen, right. man. So the, the, we need to give a little bit of background. So we, since we just came right into this, and uh, one for the people listening on audio podcast, there's a third voice in here, and that is Freddie, quote unquote, Tavares Hernandez, quote unquote. Um, like it's not, it's not, a, it's not a thing. No, that's don't you have quotes, Tavares in quotes? Some, I mean, sometimes you know that's that's I, like I thought like it's not your legal middle name, no, right? It's not okay. No, well, no. it's like Irwin Cannonball, quote unquote Baker. I've never heard anybody say quote unquote while you know because it's an audio podcast. I can, oh. I can do the air quotes. Uh, sorry, let, I have Freddie air quote Tavares unquote her, <laughs> un air quote on air quote yeah, yeah. Hernandez. Right. Now we're talking. Okay, okay. so Freddie's the third voice on the mic. Um, and, uh, Ethan and I went to lunch, uh, at a local, uh, uh, buffet type place, Con- country bumpkins or something like that it was in cottage, cottage cheese, country cottage. Yeah. Country cottage bumpkins. And I was cottage. trying to learn, I was trying to display everything I learned at Drift University yesterday in the rental car. And I e-braked it into my parking spot on the gravel lot and it. Threw up a cloud of dust, whatever. Nobody was hurt. No rocks were thrown near any cars. One child was crying. Right. Yes. No, there's no children there. There's nobody there under 60 years old for the most part. But this this very southern boy comes over and accosts me afterwards and firmly says to not do that stuff again. I said, okay. And he needed to reiterate it three more times but anyway so well he was the owner of that establishment right probably yeah Pro- well, at I, least the melon cart he was definitely selling melons out of a really fancy pickup truck out front but then i also saw him behind the like buffet line so i'm really glad that my immaturity didn't kick in and like give him a retort like what's it to you like do you own this place because the answer would probably be yes yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Find somewhere else to get lunch. Mm-hmm. Streets closed, pizza boy. <laughs> oh, you want you want lunch? How many melons are you buying? <laughs> That's when you reply, only your firm ones. <laughs> I probably I would have bought some melons. They're probably really really good. Like and my wife's flying this in, in this afternoon, so you know uh, we she likes watermelon. Don't do, there's a there's Freddy's. a joke there's a joke in there, and I I let's just go past it. We're just gonna. 
you haven't met my wife, so you can joke about her. I can, I'm not going to. I'm I sure think, she's a very I nice lady. I think she could kick your ass, too. I, pro- pro- <laughs> probably. I wouldn't want to test that. Uh, she might be better at drifting, too. <clears throat> oh, 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 my God. Well, okay. here's, here's the thing. I'm not competitive, so I don't care. Like, <laughs> it doesn't that matter. That is true. That is true. We learned that. You can't smack talk because you aren't competitive. Yeah, I, I just don't. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Jared needs to be uh, number one or he's on fire and still trying to I, get I that did, first place. I did catch my car on fire. You did. Yeah. So... <laughs> All right, so Freddie. Uh, Afterwards, you still went out there. <laughs> yeah, and that, we put the fire out, and I kept drifting. That's what you do. That's right. That was great. That was great. Yes, Jared's car caught on fire thanks to power steering leak yesterday. Yeah, brand new part failure. Thought we had all the power steering fluid out. Didn't quite have enough of it out. And as I huh. was going around, it sprayed it all onto exhaust. And uh, turns out, power steering fluid, it combusts very easily. Yes. And a lot of smoke and flame. Yeah, nobody knew that before. You know, that, that's, that's a new, that's a <laughs> new start. New, the more that you we, know, or yeah. now you know. Yeah. All yeah. three of us sprinted. Uh, me, you, and uh, my friend Jack, we sprinted to get a fire extinguisher, which uh, nobody knew where it was. Well, here they were all on the track. Oh, so there okay. was one yeah. right next to Jared's car, but we couldn't see it. So we, yeah. the three of us, literally sprinted <laughs> all the way across panicking. the paddock. <laughs> Where's the I extinguisher? I friggin' hurdled the... You know the railing <laughs> to to beat you guys to the fire extinguisher. And, and he did all, three somersaults the, the all the whole time. There's one next to the car. And and all the while, yeah. Tomorrow walked up the hill and came down because the fire had already put itself out. <laughs> and like, like I'm out of the car. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, we're we're done dribbling. It's all good. And they're like, they're like ready to just run and spray. <laughs> and we get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Well, for those who don't know, we we were at Drift University yesterday. Yes, we were at Drift University, uh which may or may not <laughs> we did an interview with yeah. Taylor as well that may or may not air before this one, but if it hasn't, uh Drift University is Taylor Hall's school uh school for the uh under uh what, what's the no, I'm, everybody's looking at me weird, but uh, <laughs> there's a movie or something, School for the Underprivileged, not school, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm school, lost. School, school for kids who can't drift good. Yeah, yeah. right, right, yeah. and and have, have I think you have to have lesser brain cells to actually want to go out, and I include myself in this, <laughs> and it's evidence because I can't even come up with a reference I was trying to think of, but um, you have to have a certain sense of crazy to to go out and want to learn how to drift like it's not a normal performance driving school that enhances your skills on the street and gives you things to learn how to drive safer it's just like i i want to have bigger balls i i i think i agree with that uh to a point and i think that um you can learn car control to the point where you um there's there's techniques that we learned there yesterday that we would never really need to learn, like know how to use, but it's nice to have them in your bag of tricks, you know? Yes. No, and, and I, I say that somewhat uh, sarcastically because, uh, you know, to want to go there, you have to just be like, all right, I'm going for the shenanigans. Yeah. But then in going there, you learn how much you're learning that is applicable yes. to general car control and an understanding of, of driving on street and what your car is doing. Yeah. And how hard it is. Like how, you know, the, the, there's, yes. there is a learning curve. Yes. There is so much that you start off and they start throwing terms at you. And Doug and I have a lot of track experience and have driven probably every level of motorsport 
style road race, rally, drag race, cross country, everything. Jared's done F1, you know? Yeah. Drag race is motorsport? Oh, David didn't even a- hear me. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, we a lot of time on the track, and it's hard for us because we have to unwire our brains because the yes. moment – you start going sideways, you fully turn in, off throttle, get it back under control, go. Freddie just doesn't do anything. Tavares isn't, you know, no real level to anything. So we're all kind of, we're having to unlearn. Freddie's learning, and it's just cool because at the school and the atmosphere, everyone's cheering for each other. The first time someone yes. links a figure eight, the first time someone gets a corner, yeah. everyone is cheering because it's just, it's yeah. a cool thing. Everyone yeah. supports each other, and it's, uh, like that was my second time, and I'm ready for more. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's very visible improvement. You go yeah. to a normal performance <laughs> driving school, you can kind of see what's happening, yeah. but not really. It's very subtle. With this, it's like if you get it wrong, you're in the dirt. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. If you get it right, it like, looks. It you look looks like a hero. Awesome. Yeah. Like a rock star. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This big amount of tire smoke. The and car is flirting right where it's supposed yeah. to it's be. It's screaming. <laughs> And, and there's no real middle ground with drifting. Like, it's not, you know, track driving, you work up to it, you work up to it. With drifting, it's like, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong, uh, all right. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. I did yeah. it, I did it, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, uh, we signed up for, Freddie and I were signed up for all three sessions, which that's, it's a lot. And he, Golly. you were able to get two. And it's he, ten and a half hours yeah, of ten and a half <laughs> I, I don't so think much. so I did two sessions. I don't think you did any less driving than I did. No. Because you guys were so exhausted. Well, and your car was. Well, yeah, I, I was wrenching that, on my car a yeah, lot. Yeah. But um Yeah, we were out there a lot and uh we had my friend Jack out there, uh, and we just had a free session. So Jack went out there and he learned how to do donuts and, and drift, uh, the same cars that we did, and he got a kick out of it as well. Oh, and it was What's hilarious is, as we were, I was saying, we all cheer for each other. He's doing the parking lot exercise, which is just simple, you know, controlled donuts around a barrel, and then you go into linking left and right figure eights, and he's struggling, struggling, struggling. Everyone's in the parking lot at this point because we're yep. basically drinking water. First time he links it, everyone erupts in cheer, and then all of a sudden we could hear the engine RPM go up <laughs> five or 600. He's like, I'm a hero, I'm a – and then instantly loops it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it counted. It counted. <laughs> he he did know? it. Yeah. That's that's what matters. Yeah. So it, that was yep. a that was an absolute blast to hang out. So that's why everyone's all around and hanging out together. Is we went and hooned and blew up a bunch of tires. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, so much fun. Um, all right, so Drift University was awesome. Um, Freddie, I asked Jared earlier about how he got his start. So th- this question. It's a question I ask pretty much every guest because mm-hmm. uh, I think the new generation of car guys and most of the people that are, that watch us um, are – they're used to instant gratification, right? Because yeah. everything online is instant gratification, you know, Amazon Prime, whatever. Uh, they don't understand the difficulty of the journey for anything. And this was kind of reflected – in a conversation I had with uh, my five and a half year old, um, sorry, I say my five and a half year old, my stepson. Um, He's yours. I mean, yeah. Shared. Anyway. Exactly, yeah. I'm not a real dad. I'm a faux pas. <laughs> I need my drum here. That, I, oh I, had my to, I had to hear that again. We, we, <laughs> I thought we were one and done with that. 
there needs to be a boomer humor account at the bottom of the screen. It just it broke on that one joke alone. I'm driving yeah. a boomer car home. Oh yeah. So. Oh, you're gonna be king boomer. You, yeah, please. You got your New got, Balance? Yeah. No, I don't. I, I wear Adidas. We can make these into jorts. No, I these these are nice. I have jorts at home. <laughs> Can't cut out my good jeans. <laughs> they, were like they were like 15 bucks, okay? Uh -huh. um, <laughs> <laughs> you got to get out of here at four so I can get the early bird special. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> got to go to sleep. <laughs> you got to go get the melons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> got to have breakfast for tomorrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 Ethan isn't laughing at all. <laughs> Which, <laughs> all right. So, my wife and I were asking our almost six-year-old uh, before bed what he wants to be when he grows up, mm -hmm. and we're making suggestions and just kind of prodding him to see what he wants to do. And one of the things he came up with was like a Minecraft Lego Master. I was like, well, that's very specific. Like yeah. maybe just an overall Lego Master. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and but that's because that's what he's into right now. But yeah. one thing that he's uh, no matter what he's been interested in, because kids shift, they go from dinosaurs to cars to monster trucks to, you know, Minecraft to video games to whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, except car people, car people just start with cars and are never interested in anything else. Yeah. At yeah. least that was my journey. Mm -hmm. Um his his one consistent answer is he wants to be a YouTuber. Mm -hmm. And I hate that answer. And I yeah. had to tell him, I'm like, okay, you can't just, that's not a thing to be. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, well, no, I can, I can do it. I was like, listen, Papa has a lot of views on YouTube and it doesn't pay him any money. So mm -hmm. like you, you have to be at the very, very, very top of your game to be able to, make that make sense. Right. And not only that, like you shouldn't have a goal to be a YouTuber. You should have a goal to offer something to people. Yes. To have a skill to offer, to have like, if, if it comes out as you're wildly popular on YouTube, awesome. But that in and of itself shouldn't be a goal. And I feel like that's a goal for just so many people now, especially with social media, like, Oh, I've got a TikTok account that tons of people watch. I'm going to be an influencer, right? Yeah. And I think that's a terrible goal. There's nothing wrong with doing it. But so so you've achieved it. Speak to both of you have. Um, but Jared talked about his journey. Speak to the, the journey a little bit about how you get there mm -hmm. and whether or not you set out to accomplish that deliberately or if it was through a more circuitous route. So I think there can be um, two ways of thinking about this. I mean, there's probably more than two, but... Um, when people say they want to be a YouTuber or want to be an influencer or something, uh, they usually mean either I want to be famous or I want to do something really cool and put myself out there, right? And you can have both, but usually it's, it's kind of one or the other. And doing something cool and putting yourself out there, that gets better results more than I want to be famous because then it's, um, you know, my dad is a is a millionaire and I, I want to I want to be like the only thing that's left on my you know, I, I need this in my bag of tricks because I now I'm rich, but I want to be famous. So how do I do that? So I'm just going to show everybody how rich I am, right. um, which but, is my problem. Side note with mm -hmm. most of the 
Instagram car heroes is it's just I have a lot of money and a cool collection of cars and now I want to be famous for sure. that. Which again, we all want to see their collections, but it's just a it's a weird it's that mentality yeah. you're talking about. And but, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with that because I like that people with money and with a cool car collection or a car hobby, they're sharing it with people, which is which is good. I mean, right. they're going out to cars and coffee, they're talking with people, and it's it's generally bringing um, you know, a sense of awareness to uh, to to, to interesting cars right um maybe it's the way that there's some guys that do it in a way that's like a flex and other people that they're doing oh, it to it's, share it it's so, absolutely i mean there, there is a subtle difference yeah but yeah i was Fle- referring more flexing, to the way yeah. of doing it flexing is something that uh, a lot of people don't like but it's like it's so effective i mean lifestyles of the rich and famous yeah was it's it's still that, that was the pre-social media flex. It, exactly yeah like, okay yeah like Ro- robin leach needs to do uh you know needs to narrate some of these youtube channels <laughs> so then, stu- then we got mtv cribs and e- exactly like it's, right. it's, yep. it's all just flexing right yeah um but okay with, yeah with with youtube i think like yeah. me um you know getting started uh first um you know, it, it helps if you're rich, right? You know, like <laughs> I got a small loan of a million subscribers. You know that 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 sort of thing. Um, no, I mean you have to be able to provide something that other people aren't aren't seeing, and it could be a very small, uh, minute change to a formula that already works. Like um, I'll I'll give for example Doug Demiro. Uh, Doug Demiro does car reviews and. He's not the he's not uh, a person that invented car reviews, but he does them in a format that works for him, and he's honed that format over years, and he's found a, something that works for him, and now he gets consistent views. He has a big audience, and you know the people that were doing car reviews before, now he's eating their lunch, you know, because he's like, I saw what they're doing, I'm taking elements of that, just making it more digestible, and that's what you have to do in YouTube. And I'm not saying you have to put other people out of business or anything like that. I actually believe that you should be able to uh, collaborate with people because uh, the sum is uh, bigger than the parts, you know? So I think um, you have to be able to uh, just take whatever it is you do uh, best, whether it's putting together a storyline, whether it's building a car, whether it's, um, you know, I don't know, like whistling diesel, if you want to destroy stuff uh, in an interesting way, uh, that sort of thing has an audience and you have to uh, understand what your audience wants and then you have to be super adaptable because that audience yes. is going gonna, is gonna to change yep. and if you don't change with them, um, then you're just going to be left by the wayside. Yeah, and, and I've, I've noticed that. I guess I probably wouldn't notice it if I wasn't around you know, Ed and guys like you that are in the business of YouTube that are, you know, it, it's it's rubbing off and I'm, I'm hearing all these conversations about what it takes to keep going. And, and um, uh, uh, David, um, the, the oh, I can think of his Patterson. David Patterson? line. Uh, yeah, that David d- Patterson. That dude in blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's a good example of that because he had a huge following for a while and then kind of became irrelevant through no fault of his own it just like his audience grew up or his audience changed or whatever mm-hmm. and that you know maybe you can speak more accurately to this yeah. but um like i i think there's a, a very short life cycle of a youtube audience unless you are continually adapting i th- i think so i mean in the case of david patterson david's a really good guy and he puts out some good content but i think um, if you look at his view counts, they're not, you know, they're not what realistically they should be. 
And there's a certain element of, you know, algorithmic involvement, like the YouTube algorithm. There's things that it prefers. But whenever, when anybody ever talks about the algorithm, it's just synonymous with the audience, with the viewers. So if the algorithm doesn't like it, the viewers don't like it. And the algorithm is just based on what gets more viewer eyeballs on this thing, you know? Um, so I think uh, there's a few things that he and other creators like him that have big, you know, subscriber counts, but have sort of like low-ish uh, viewership numbers, what they can do to, uh, to increase those numbers, you know, like maybe getting more people in the door, maybe changing up some styles, maybe uh, doing a new series, uh, you know, something that... Uh, will bring a new audience in because uh, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from uh, the editor-in-chief of Jalopnik in 2014, Matt Hardigree, uh, he said, uh, you always have to write for the audience you don't have. And, Interesting. And, like, because your core audience is always going to be there. Um, you can put out whatever. That's like, you know, I could, I could go to the bathroom and then, you know, like, and then I'll have 50,000 people watch it. Like that's, that's true, but you want to gain a new audience, right? So you have to make whatever it is you're doing compelling for them. Yep. Yep. Well, and that's a little bit what we're doing with the podcast as well with Switchcast. It was, you know, my goal starting out was to be you know, I use this analogy way too much, but kind of the, the Dave Ramsey or, or the car talk of a podcast where most other podcasts are just interviews. There's no real interaction with the audience. I wanted to offer something to people where it was bringing in experts and answering one-on-one questions that people had, that the internet wasn't answering for them uh, to give them an unbiased expert opinion. Do you feel and like an expert? At something I don't know I haven't found it yet <laughs> I I do not feel, if if anybody's looking to me for any expertise you well, need no, to really rethink your life yes, coming yeah, in yeah we're, but anyway. we're not on a Wednesday podcast so <laughs> we don't have to answer those questions okay that's good, right good, good. we got yeah, the amateur this, this the amateur alive yeah, yeah yeah we we have to be able to edit you guys out you know so <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> can you Photoshop somebody else's face on my face <laughs> yeah we'll put some melons on it that's right we'll adjust your voice too for the audio mm-hmm. one but um. You do have a good, you have a great face for podcast. For, for you face for radio, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it, and it's it's been going well. It's been growing, um, but we're getting some. You know, we're running into some roadblocks and just acknowledging some limitations of that format without having a large critical mass and with being in Cleveland because it's kind of hard to line up guests in friggin cleveland ohio here we are in cleveland tennessee yeah. ironically but georgia. Tennessee, georgia georgia sorry the other other cleveland i think there is a cleveland tennessee there too. is yeah. yes there's a lot of them yeah um i'd never heard of cleveland, cleveland georgia yeah. but <laughs> anyway so for you know ethan suggested well let's do like a season two and break it up and you know figure out something and i said well let's like let's go on the road let's do some road trips let's go experience some car culture and you know, change the format a little bit. Like I still want to stick to the main format because I think that's a, that's an offering that isn't really out there. Um, but you know, give some, you know, adapt a little bit and, and change because we're still figuring this out and still learning our audience. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, it's definitely a fun journey. I think so. I mean, whenever you're doing any new venture, whether it be a podcast or a video or, uh, even, you know, writing or you know websites uh you have to essentially throw spaghetti at a wall and see what sticks so you have to be able to run the gamut of ideas and then you have to make sure that those ideas are also repeatable 
because um, uh, one of one of the things that uh, I learned early on in my YouTube career uh, is I had a very very small YouTube channel. Um, I mean, I, I had probably less than a thousand subscribers at the time, and then I made this video that uh, went viral. Viral, I'm, I'm using air quotes here, uh, but it got like a million views in a week, and it was a that, that's that's viral. Sure, and that's uh, like. Yeah, the, I can't the, say it will get demonetized. That's <laughs> coronavirus. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> hey guys, Ethan here. At this point in the recording of the episode, there was a computer crash that we had, so I had to restart it, and there was roughly about a minute of dialogue that's missing. If you want to hear it, you can watch the video podcast on YouTube. The link is in the description. Anyway, back to the episode. I love these. Um, are they, what kind of microphones are these? Are these Shores? Yep. Are these SM58s? They're Amazon Basic. No, cables. Amazon Basic is the uh, cable. Are you sure? How sure are you? I'm going to hit you. <laughs> I'm gonna, I will strike you. <laughs> I'll strike. Oh, there's no speakers. Uh, you get oh. that noise. <laughs> you I will it. strike down upon thee with great vengeance <laughs> and furious anger. <laughs> I think the guy at the parking lot of the cheesy cottage wanted to hit me too <laughs> the cheesy, probably would have sounded bumpkin. like that just a gentle poof. <laughs> there's so many things i wanted to say back but what do you think his name was larry mm. I, think Ch- that, uh, I think his middle name had to be joe no he was a little more refined than a, like uh, a billy joe like he had all his teeth oh so a chet he was clean cut he was he probably just, chet Large beard. And do you think he chet. drove an uh, an SSR? No, he had a big. I think he had. A ton, I know. But do you big think Tundra? Right, but do you think that in, somewhere in his garage is a purple SSR? I don't think so. He was too young for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. What was the Tundra the seventeen seventy six Tech? That's Sys like edition? what <laughs> what, the, what boomers who had a Z06 and then can't drive stick anymore buy. Yes, an SSR. Well, they they usually buy the Grand Sport. Because it looks like the Z06, but it comes in convertible and it's automatic, and then you can put stickers all over it that let you know that you know you drive a Corvette. Have you ever driven a manual SSR? I've never driven an SSR. You're missing out. Am I? I no, no, uh, no, yeah. No. <laughs> the, the gearing is it, that of a Viper. Like it, it's he, not he, a you, good don't, you don't really need to drive a manual. Like he, just first gear will get you to like seventy. Yeah. Can we talk about how garbage a Viper is? Like it's just not a good car. Which gen? Well, we oh. were talking. Wait, well, wait. I mean, like we, the, we the last, the last one we, was okay. Jared and I talked about this at dinner. I think d- last couple nights ago, weren't we talking about Vipers? Because I said I always wanted a Gen Two, and every time I got close, or were you and I talking I, about I that? I think, I think you were. Oh, you, yeah. okay. Yes. Yeah, so every I really, really want a Gen Two, and every time I get close to buying one, I can't because of the PT Cruiser steering wheel. Yeah, in the interior in general, and I talked about this on VinWiki, and of course everybody ran. Oh, the Viper is amazing! You're just buying the wrong year. Those people have never right driven upgrades. one. Yeah, there's, no, no, no. They all own them. <laughs> they all own That's, them. They drank the Kool Aid. Having worked on every generation of Viper, they're all factory kit cars. Gen Five is not. Gen Five so, is less so. No, no, no. So the Gen, 5, it's a beautiful car, but I had one that I was doing a laser shifter install. And the way they mount the front bumper, you have seven bolts that go across. And between the bumper cover and the core support, they have stacks of plastic washers. So it's nice and flat and has a nice body line. So middle one had seven washers in it. 
you would think the next two on either side would be like five and five, right? No, it was six and four. They were mismatched across the front of the car, and the body line was perfect. It was just the brand new car mm -hmm. with 38 miles on it straight to my shop was put together like that. So here's what happens when uh, Dodge gets uh, engineers from Ferrari to make their, to make their cars, because that's exactly how Ferrari puts together their cars. It's atrocious how, how badly those Well, cars. but that, that's, that's planned, right? The, the famous quote from Enzo Ferrari that says, I don't care if the doors fit and the panel gaps are straight or whatever, I want the driver to crap his pants when he steps on the gas. So, yeah, but, so, I mean, so they're just doing right? modern poor build quality big like, oh no it's our it, heritage it, our it, heritage it really is <laughs> I, I think the only time i mean i don't want to get too much uh, off a tangent here but um italian uh, supercars were made like trucks from the 70s for a very long time i mean i think the last holdout for that was god i mean my my ferrari 430 scuderia we're putting that together and it's all just that it's all just shims everywhere the body panels are like the, the gaps on the panels are garbage from the factory like these are not you know we didn't get aftermarket anything it's all oem and it nothing fits and that's the way they were from the factory um if you look at uh press photos of this car nothing lines up and it only changed after like i think lamborghini uh was acquired by audi um and then they actually started making cars uh like the aventador right the aventador was a completely new design um and then that was more audi than lamborghini in terms of like well the mercilago was that too right the i mean that was, was pre uh, post audi the mercy had some very very small ink i mean if you want to talk i mean it wasn't it still wasn't good no but it it, was... no if you want to talk about um you know uh, being pedantic Technically, the late the last Diablo was when that uh, that happened, right? When Audi took over, but the Mercy was already uh, being uh, developed. The Mercy is exactly the same as a Diablo. It's a steel box frame, and there's washers everywhere. It's it's just it really is um, like the Mercy and the Countach essentially have the same type of construction. Um, so. But between the Mercy and the Aventador, that's like a hundred years of development. Um, mm. it's, it, it makes you feel like if you go into Aventador and then you drive a Mercy, it feels like you've, you've gone back a hundred years. Interesting. But Ed loves Mercies. I love them too. I, ha I, have, I have one, <laughs> a second one on the way. One and a half. One and a half. And um, it, they're great cars. However, they're, all the Italian supercars are built very poorly. And it only took, it took either, <clears throat> either the Germans or the British with McLaren to kind of put them into the you know the next century. Unfortunately, not the Americans, but they they no. took their shot at it. The, the C eight is great though. The C I mean the oh, C eight yeah. Corvette is, is awesome. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but other than that, I mean I don't know how the GT the Ford GT is like you know mid two thousands. I can't imagine it's probably built all that well. Um, but I guess it's okay. I, I don't know what what other what other American supercars ha have there been in that. In that era, in the two thousands, yeah, like two thousands up. S seven. Yep. Oh my yes. god, that's you want to talk about kit car? <laughs> Holy Mosler. Those aren't cars yeah. though. Like they, they they made four of them. Like it's, I, hey, that's I'm four. That's saying, more than zero. Are they, are they street legal? I probably not. I don't know. They are. So, okay. have, have you can you buy sat, one. Sat or driven a Selena seven? No, I, I don't think I can. I've I. Ridden on, I can't drive one. Sadly, um, <laughs> ridden on. <laughs> I've opened the doors. Was it in a parade? <laughs> All right, it, everybody, it, get it, on the car. <laughs> it was around the infield of uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway, but um, they're they're well built. 
it like you look at a Viper compared to a Selene S7, and it's the small company that is Selene was building a far superior car than what the Viper was. The Viper is just a giant engine on a roller skate. Yeah, that- and it's so much fun. Like it's just one of those things. There's you can't ever claim a Viper as a precision instrument. No, it is. It is it's a, a hammer. Yeah, it's a hammer, it's or a it's hammer. a drum set with fourteen different very you know variants of uh, symbols. That just meant to make a ton of noise. It's a Neil Pert drum set. Yeah, yeah. like it's just <laughs> meant to be obnoxious. But it's Lars Ulrich's drum set in Saint <laughs> Anger. It's just it's just paint cans, man. But, but if you're a car guy or not a car guy, you know what a Viper is. Yes, like that's everyone knows a Viper. Everyone knows a Corvette. Someone will see a Celine and be like, that's a pretty car, but no one's going to know what it is. So we were making fun of how badly built they are. They marketed them pretty dang well. I don't know. I mean, so, so the Viper was it was a pivotal car. And it's very iconic. Um, and I love the way they look. They, I, I would always have a Viper if it just sat in my garage. And I think most people, um, as opposed to other cars, which just, you know. <laughs> don't sit in your garage. Don't sit in my garage. Um, I think... Like, the people that buy Vipers uh, want to drive them very sparingly. They'll go to Cars and Coffee and then just be the guy that can one-up a Corvette owner. I was going to say, the people that buy Vipers are the guy that want to steal Corvette owners' girlfriends. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. And then for run, the them, day, run them into the ditch the first time they go to show yeah, off. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Is there or burn thing? their calves when they're getting right. out or whatever yeah. as Is they it? run back to the Corvette owner. <laughs> or burn their, burn their cankles, yeah. <laughs> Is there such... <laughs> <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest here. Let's, let's, let's be... Let's be a hundred right now. Is there a <laughs> is there a pre nineteen ninety eight Viper that hasn't had a quarter panel put on it in the world? No, they're all in Copart. <laughs> yes, they have twelve miles on them, and they're collectible editions. <laughs> they're in the Peterson Automotive Museum. In a zipper bubble. Yeah, yeah. It's a pre production yes. one. They never let anybody <laughs> drive it. Yeah, um, Ford GT two thousands American supercar. Yeah. yeah, that was brilliant. It's a phenomenal car. That was the first one to go two hundred and twenty in a standing mile, right? A modified one, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But still, yeah, like twenty five hundred so. horsepower. Yeah. Well, yeah. you have to have a good chassis and an arrow. Sure. That mm-hmm. they didn't have any aftermarket arrow. That was the Ford body mm-hmm. built Ford engine. But still, like that's that's an impressive feat. Yeah. Um, they they did not sell at all when they first came no, out. They did not. They're like one hundred and fifty grand, and now they're five hundred. Yes. Yeah. Well, they were sitting on dealer showrooms sometime for a year or two, mm-hmm. and they were discounting them. Most of the guys I know that bought them new, 10, 20 grand off sticker. Oh, I remember I bought the best deal I got on one was around 2010-ish. I found a 1,200-mile car, red with white stripes, so it was super undesirable, you know. <laughs> I think I bought it for 120 grand. Mm-hmm. 120 grand. I got the guy a manual 430 Spider at the same time. And he had a manual Aston Martin DB9 coupe. Ooh, that's silver nice. with red interior. Yeah. And I was like, whenever you sell that, I want to be first on the list. Yeah. He got a nice. nasty divorce and she took all of those cars away from him. Oh no. Oh. But it was in like 2012, 13 or something. Mm-hmm. So if she hung on to them for any length of time, whatever value they assigned in the divorce, she probably double, triple, quadrupled. Because, yeah. like, I mean, the DB9 yeah. coupe and manual is, is is pretty good. 
That's, um, that's a rare bird. It is. It really is. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about Car Trek. That is what oh, everybody's. That, that, oh, I have, oh I'm, yeah. I'm wearing I'm wearing Car Trek merch right now. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are uh, listening, I have a, a, a black Car Trek shirt. Yes, I have a white Stegosaurus shirt. And I have a Travis Bell the corporate car shirt on. Yes. <laughs> Do you have that on when you're working on Travis Bell's? Transcon medevac. I, I have a, cop, a couple times, and he's always tickled to death. He loves seeing his shirts pop up in videos. Yep, yep. yep. Um, all right. So, how did Car Trek come about? Uh, it was the Pimp My Ride minivan. Yeah, the Pimp My Ride minivan. That uh, was a good video uh, of the three videos of yours that I've watched. Mm-hmm. That was probably my favorite. Oh, that was one of them. Good. That was good. one of them. Yeah, I was like, that, yeah. What, good. No, was okay. So, one? so back up a no. little bit, right? So, no. I I say that someone in jest, but like, I just I don't watch automotive YouTubers for the most part. Part of like what you said, a lot of it is people just like, oh, I have a lot of money, and or my dad has a lot of money, so I'm doing ridiculous things in order to get attention. I don't right. need to watch that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to watch stuff that is legitimately entertaining and, you know, helping me become a better car guy. Right. Um, and I want to watch people that are genuine, and that's what um, I like about your guys' stuff. And. Um, I think I found your videos, just somebody forwarded me like your Gallardo video or something like that right. before any of, you know, VinWiki or Car Trek or any of this stuff came up. So usually when people would mention YouTubers, I'm just like, I have no, I have no idea who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I at least knew who you were and, you know, Jared, I met you through various car guy stuff and cannibal and all that. Um, but <clears throat> I liked what I saw because it was very genuine and you know getting to know you guys has confirmed that like you are the same people in person as you are on YouTube albeit like I can tell you like turn it up a notch in the enthusiasm for you YouTube have to. which yeah. I know yeah. you have to like the 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 video camera does to enthusiasm or does to your personality what stage lights do to your complexion like yeah, it, yeah. it mutes it it washes it out so yes. you have to be a little bit you know upstaging mm-hmm. to appear normal on camera so right. i get that but like you know it's not a fake persona it's not you trying to be overly ridiculous just you know to get the clicks or whatever mm-hmm. you are who you are and you love cars and and i appreciate that so cool. I appreciate um that. Um, so back to car Trek. Mm-hmm. how did that come about from, from like all of you guys are YouTubers already, you, um, Ed and, and, and Jared and, you know, the, the three hosts anyway, Ed, Tyler mm-hmm. and you yeah. are YouTubers. What, you know, what, what were you drinking when you came up with the idea? What, what, uh, Ed was, Ed was probably drinking bourbon, right? Yeah, I think actually Ed and I both had a bourbon sitting next to his campfire. Yeah, fireplace. And um, we were the best ideas are hatched. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, this was right after the Pimp My Ride van that uh, Jared and I um, essentially built in like a few days. Uh, I bought a quick 30 second stories. I I bought a uh, $850 Plymouth Grand Voyager. Um, that had been used on Pimp My Ride for 850 well, I mean, 850 bucks from uh, Rhode Island. I had it shipped to me, and then we just went through everything, you know, mechanically and all the electronics and stuff. And then uh, that video of us doing that, or that video series, got something like 22 million views. And, like, number one on trending, it was, it was, it was crazy. 
while we were filming that. video. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, while we were filming that, uh, we decided that uh, it would be a good idea to give this van to Tyler Hoover. Uh, because I think he would appreciate it. It was, and know, he had a newborn coming. Yeah, he, he had a, he had a he had a baby on the way, and uh, we're like, he needs a minivan. He needs something <laughs> practical in his life. So why not a purple and pink minivan that has a jewelry making station and uh, and a dance floor? You know, um, and a TV footrest, and a, and a footrest that's also a TV. You know, um, and and several other things that were all also TVs. Yeah. So uh, we go to uh, you know VinWiki HQ, which is uh, which is Ed's house. And we start talking about, you know, Ed brought up the idea of why can't we do Top Gear? Like, why can't we just make a Top Gear for YouTube? And there was not, like, there's no real objection there. It was just like, well, it would probably be hard to make and it would probably be very expensive. So we had some... Uh, sponsors some like uh, some opportunities you know auto tempest was a sponsor of mine we, uh, he's uh, you know they've worked with ed and we're like this is this would be a real good case for auto tempest to do um because I, I, I did enjoy though every freddie had concerns and would like kind of well what about this or every protest ed's basic counter argument was why not yeah <laughs> like, he's very good at that. like ed ed will talk you into anything like he will it wasn't a bad idea, but like getting Freddie calmed down with all the little concerns of just, yeah, but why? Why not? I've, I've learned to get past Ed's <laughs> sales tactics. Now. I, I've, I've, I've been. He's very good. <laughs> yeah, but once you learn, once you learn the language, you're like, all right, Ed's doing this thing. I'm not. Yeah, whatever. Um, he gets a look in his eyes. He, he, do, he does. It's 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 that. Oh, it's the, that the lion vein. looking at the gazelle. Yeah. Like that yeah, one. Yeah, I was just gonna say. It's a, a little bit. Yeah, it's, yeah. you can it's tell the look that most going. men get for something else. Exactly. <laughs> he gets flush in his cheeks. Just gets excited. You know, the the boy, the boy gets excited. Starts shifting around. Yeah, he's just got to put his hand and like kind of just gyrating a little bit in his seat. Is vibrating. Um, yeah. So we started talking about this idea, and then uh, we're like. Realistically, what can we do uh, in order for a sponsor to fund uh, our hobby? You know, like uh, fund something fun that we can do um, with cheap supercars because that's all we really wanted. You know, we, we wanted to uh, have adventures with these cars and experience them and do fun things. And then we, we came up with the idea. Um, all right, we can get, you know, cars for the price of a C8 Corvette because a C8 Corvette was coming out. It was like the hottest thing. We're like, that would be a good starting point. And like, what can you actually get? So at the time, uh, Ed got a Gallardo uh, Spider, which was a salvage title, but it was a manual, which was super rare. Um, and then I had a Aston Martin V12 Vantage S. And then uh, Tyler had a 360 Spider uh, in fly yellow. It was really, really nice, but it had the F1 transmission, which was pretty garbage. Um, and then, but they're, they're really good kind of poster cars for what you could get. Cause they all had small issues. They all, you know, had their quads had big issues. Not, not <laughs> real. I mean, it ran out of, it ran out of gas in the first episode. Well, yeah. I mean the title and you know, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it did, but like, that's so what, I mean, yeah. you know, as long as you can get it registered, it was fine. Um, but that kind of started off the idea that this could be a thing cause people really liked it. And I think. Uh, we also got lucky. I mean, I don't know. That's the best phrase. No, no, we we definitely <laughs> yeah. got we definitely got lucky. The world did not get lucky because I mean, COVID just hit, and everybody was on lockdown. So all they did was watch YouTube videos. Uh, so when we when it came out, I think we got something like two million views within the first 
like day, like uh, like a day day or two. That's amazing. And then and then it just we had seven episodes, I believe, in the first uh, Car Trek series, and each one just got a million, a million, a million, and then you know they kept kept kind of going up from there. Um, I mean the 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 view counts kind of dwindled as as the as the episodes went on, but uh, we realized the case with any series, yeah, exactly, yep. and. I, I realized that, like, you know, we could make this into a thing. I really wanted to do it. And then we just kept on making series and coming up with uh, interesting premises. And, uh, you know, we just finished filming. Uh, I mean, we finished filming the eighth series. We're going to start filming the ninth and tenth. And I'm about to buy a car for one of those, like, probably today. So, you know, it's it, it's interesting. We we just wanted to play Top Gear, essentially. Yeah. And, and yeah. then we're very fortunate that the sponsors let us do that. <laughs> SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible, live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy, we are broadcasting this show live with our phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. On the backside, first season, it was what? We had... Four of us. I was running around filling in shoes. We had Frazier, we had Brent, and we had Jordan. Right? I think that was our full production crew. Yeah, I think that was it. And it was rough. We had (laughs) no plan. We had, when I say no plan, we had no. I mean, I had I had written out some story beats that I wanted to do, and we ended up not using a lot of them because we we like we recorded it, and it was like, this sucks. This is not good. Uh, like none of it, it feels natural. And then we realized that, like, hey, we're not we're not good actors, not even a little bit. <laughs> so I texted Ed, uh, like the the first episode of the first season was really good, and like the third ex- episode, I texted him. I'm like, yeah, this feels kind of scripted. Like I was just like, you guys, you could tell you were trying. So it, it was. So it was. It wasn't so, coming as naturally. So, so, so here's here's the problem because none of it was scripted. Right. Like right. zero well, of it was scripted. And you told me that, yeah. and I'm like, well, but that now that what you say makes yeah. sense. Like you were just. It's it's harder to act than to just be yourself. We also did, um, like a lot of those, oh God, a lot of those uh, filming days, were so long. I mean, we we do long filming days now in, in Car Trek, but back then, we had uh, we had an issue with. Um, I think it was like the third and fourth episode we filmed in one day and we did something where, uh, we were supposed to get our cars appraised, uh, at a Lamborghini dealership, like Lamborghini of Palm beach or something. So we go there, uh, go to Lamborghini of Palm beach. Uh, Ed talks his thing with the guy. They talk their, you know, mumbo jumbo with the, the, the dealership lingo. And then, uh, they're like, okay, cool. We're going to have lunch over lunch. Uh, Ed gets a call. They said, uh, Lamborghini corporate does not want you to do that because you have a Lamborghini. We don't want, um, them to look poor. Like we don't want you to say, Hey, I have a piece of crap Lamborghini. Here's how much it co- Here's how much it's worth. So they, they pulled so out of it. Stupid. So they pulled out of it right then. So Ed and I, we went down the road, um, in Palm beach. We hadn't eaten by the way, like this. And this is 
after we just finished doing the dino episode, the entire dino episode. So we were like already, you know, pretty tired uh, and it was super hot. It was probably, you know, 90 plus degrees there. Uh, so we just went down the road to every dealership that we could asking if we could do this. We went to a Bentley dealership and they would not look at us at all. Uh, I mean, I showed up in a, in a Aston Martin V12 Vantage. They didn't care. Uh, we went to a what looked like um, sort of like a high end buy here, pay here lot. And they're like, yeah, we'll do it. And then we're like, yeah, we should probably not do it there. <laughs> like, it looks real bad. <laughs> uh, and then we ended up going to McLaren Palm Beach and they said, yeah, let's let's do it. Because uh, they had uh, there was a mutual contact of Ed's. Uh, and we didn't have any McLaren, so they didn't care. And it would be better for them to say, hey, these cars are garbage. Our cars are better. So, which was fine. Slightly. Slightly. <laughs> so the new McLaren f- is slightly better I, than knowing, garbage. Knowing how a McLaren is put together, that is not true. <laughs> not even, like, not in the least. Those cars are not put together well. Um, I said slightly better. A new McLaren is slightly better than garbage. You're saying that. Oh, oh, than garbage. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought you meant like better than like an old Gallardo. I was like, I don't know, man. Like they're <laughs> they're they're pretty pretty comparable. It's just a lateral move. Um, so I think uh, like we started filming there, and by that time, like when we when we did all our shots, we did our establishing shots, and we had to do like an intro sort of monologue, and then we had to do our uh, banter with everybody while they were appraising. We had to talk to the guy, and I had like the worst headache. I've ha- like hadn't eaten, and I'm just like stressed out, and I'm so tired. And we had to be like, oh, um, you know, we have to get to our next destination. And our next destination, we had no idea where it was. We had to get, uh, we did a man on the street bit, which is where Tyler just says, uh, you know, these three cars, uh, uh, how much do you think they cost? And what do you think the owner does? You know, like just kind of like a game show thing. Sure. And that, that's yeah. what Tyler does best. Oh, but you forgot Mar-a-Lago. But- no, and, oh. no, but that, that's what I'm saying. We had to get, we had to get there, but we had to fill some time up in the episode. So we said, where can we go? Oh, we're in West Palm Beach. Let's go to Mar-a-Lago. And Mar-a-Lago, for those who don't know, is Donald Trump's house. Like, <laughs> that's where the guy lives. And the only thing that w- wasn't closed during COVID. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and for a little bit of even more just kind of fun tidbit, as we're at West Palm Beach McLaren, a Marine, F- or a Marine One yeah. helicopter flies over. Yeah, a presidential so- helicopter flies over to Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, so there's like probably Melania or whoever, you know, Stormy Daniels is flying over. Um, so, so then, like... We, I remember this is the point where um, this was like the worst acting in any Car Trek episode ever. Um, and it was we had to read a, a text from Auto Tempest. And at the time <laughs> we were we were actually writing these things down and we were texting each other so we could actually read them. Uh, but now Ed just like either makes them up on the spot or we have them already kind of, you know, prescripted. Um, but. It, it was like something like you have to go to the president's house and see what his neighbors think. And I remember saying, like, OK, I don't want to go to Washington, D.C. I don't want to be gone for that long. First of all, <laughs> that's a horrible line. It's a garbage line. But it's the best I can come up with with my like like completely I, my brain did not work. We're 12 hours into filming with six more to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're looking and at no a long lunch. Day. Yeah. And no, and no, no food or anything. Uh, so. We're, all three of us were like on a couch like this and we had a camera just like that and it was just the worst acting like wait i can't i can't leave for that long like my my wife is gonna be really mad at me and like and i looked at that on camera like 
can we cut this? Can we just not have this in the episode? And it didn't make sense without without that in the episode. I'm like, wow, this is this is garbage. Well, and that's so, too. I think where that was the plan that all three of you were like, oh, we we're having babies around the same time too. I think that was yeah. your planned reveal of everyone was about to be a dad. Yeah, yeah. So we or a dad again. All, all three of our wives were uh, due within like two months of each other. Um, Ed's wife started having contractions on the last day of filming. Uh, oh boy! Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, bo- oh, boy! Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh girl, actually. Yeah. Um, so, it was uh, that. That was interesting. Um, Plus it, one on the boomer count. Yeah. It wasn't. Um, I, I mean, it wasn't like the real kind of contractions. It was one of those like you know fake ones that like oh, baby's not coming yet, but you know will in, in a little bit. You better be home tomorrow. Yeah. Right? You better. Yeah. So, um, you know, after that uh, that interesting day, uh, we got into mar-a-lago got in, like they they waved us in uh because uh surprise surprise if you have three exotic supercars they will let you into mar-a-lago if you act like you belong there they will let you in but they looked that's, really that's important the case for a lot of places Cause, Cause, absolutely because i'm following behind them with uh, one of the camera guys we were in a rental blacked out chevy uh, tahoe chevy tahoe look police spec it looked everything. like ser- secret service so it like looked, I'm, yeah. I'm a big burly guy brent's muscular tattooed like we look like a security yeah. detail for three very important people yeah so, so they just waved this cop waved us right in so uh three of donald trump <laughs> jr's best employed? friends yeah j- <laughs> j- just rolled in with their supercars and then um we get there and tyler's in front and he just stares at the the valet guys and they're like what are you doing and he's like I don't know. They just let us in, and they go like. Ed oh. really should have been in front. Ed should not have been in no, front. No, we would have gotten arrested. Yes, we would have gotten arrested. What did Ed, Ed say? Yeah, Ed Ed gets out of his car uh, because he, apparently he thought that that was a good thing to do, and um, so Tyler says one of the funniest things I've ever heard, and it's like it's not a lack of self awareness. It's just like one of these like matter of fact things uh, that that Tyler says. Uh, he he goes to the valet guys. He goes, "What if my name was Trump? What would would you let me in then?" <laughs> like completely unironically, <laughs> like this old yeah. old uh, would look like oh, Italian uh, Italian valet guy. He gets livid. He starts screaming at us. He starts saying like, "Oh, you guys can't be here. They're gonna call the cops and 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 whatever." I could have you arrested, but I have a heart, so just leave. Yeah, yeah, just leave. And he's like really, really giving us a hard time. Like, this is private property. You can't do this. You can't do this. So um, then we we turn around and leave, and and then like we stop before the the exit, and then Ed gets out of his car to like I don't know, do a vlog or something. I like it was it was wild. I'm like, guys, we need to leave. Like the <laughs> The, the president lives here. Like, like they could, we could get in trouble, you know? <laughs> but as we're pulling back out, asking about the police guy who, police officer who let us in, uh, his superior was there and like he had, the, the guy had the stance of he was being verbally whipped to a level that he had never experienced before in his life. Like it was a, why would you do this? How did you think this was okay? Just yeah. absolutely getting screamed at as we all pull right out past him back yeah. onto the street. But now, I mean, I, I think we're at the point in our lives that we could probably get invited to Mar-a-Lago. You know, I feel, I feel <laughs> like I feel like we can we can. I don't make know. It, it depends who you voted for. Right. I, you can. Here's the thing. You can lie. <laughs> but, but it was also that <laughs> they can season, check that that season that no, day. The, the no. man on the street that night is when I realized, for the most part, if you act. Like, you're supposed to be doing whatever it is you're doing. You can get away with a ton. Like, we were trying to find anywhere to fit these three cars. Yeah. And to do something with. And there's this area in front of a building, 
perfect little pull-in, and it has got like 14 no-parking signs and a security guard act actively there. They kind of pulled in. I pull in in the Tahoe behind them, jumped out, walked up and said, hey, we need to film something here real quick. We're going to park the cars, but we'll be right with them the whole time. Is that okay? And he kind of looked. He's like, yeah, okay, and went inside. So <laughs> usually people are pretty reasonable yeah. about, about things, um, and they give you a lot of leeway when you have nice things. Uh, if you would have came in like some Chevy celebrity that's like puking black smoke and, you know, you look disheveled, they'd probably be like, uh, no. If we, brought, <laughs> if we brought the season three cars. I think having a camera helps, too. Yeah. Having a camera is like, oh, yep. I'm going to be on TV. It's like, yep, mm -hmm. this is going to go on television, right? The, the new TV. It, the, it's, the it's, tubes of you. Yeah. It's, it's the new TV. It's for the, it's for the Utes, you know? <laughs> so, so what's your favorite car trek the car, Doug? America. Favorite car track? Not car? including the season eight cars. The one he's about the one to buy. I'm about to buy. That's right. Yeah. Yes, I'm. I'm buying and road tripping home with my wife. Oh, you're gonna love who that. Who is under forty? That's good. Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, it's gonna you keep talking about it like Tavar it's a thing. I don't know. Corvette Z06 yeah. that is on season. I can't count. I don't even know what season we're on. And we're uh, only it's, it's going to be in the, in the eighth. Yeah. Eighth, eighth season, right? Yeah. Um, and it's funny too because I was. I, um, you have a reputation as does Ed for buying cars that that need some love. What? Yes, this is, this is news to me. No, I've what? I, it's how what, dare you? It's what you do on. Oh, it, it is on it the is? internet. I, okay. So any, <laughs> I have a reputation for having a car dealership that buys and sells extremely clean, well vetted, serviced vehicles. So. I have to be careful so when when uh, I I got to give you a little when you sold me the when you were trying to negotiate with me on the Z06 he was trying his best to be a shrewd negotiator he he wanted me to pay him a little bit more for some exposure on on the uh, oh no no on no, the no. tubes so, of you okay but, I'll, but, I'll, I'll wait I'll wait for you to yes you to say this and I'll correct you yeah go if ahead. if uh, well he was trying he was implying that but. Um, uh, I, I I almost was like, no, man, I, I I don't want people to know that I'm buying cars from you because that'll destroy my dealership <laughs> reputation. That Are you being taking said, off the car track stickers? Is that, is that, is that what you're no, do? I won't. But that Z06 is really, really clean. I told you That's it was. The, that must be the... I, I have to say, I haven't actually seen the cars in your warehouse other than, like, yes, but... So, car, like the car track cars that I, that I bring, it, they're always they're always garbage because I think that it's a better story. Like it's well, it's, yeah, it's that's just the YouTube funnier. model. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody cares. Like if I go out and try to start a YouTube channel, it's like, man, I bought this one owner Porsche GT3 with twelve hundred miles and a fresh oil change. Nobody cares. Nobody, Nobody cares, cares that you had a great time. That's Nobody cares that you bought a nice thing. Yeah, twelve second video. Yeah. Yep. But if uh, you have a Porsche GT3 that had been on fire and has several raccoons living in it, and uh, <laughs> like that is, and has unexplicably 280,000 miles, right? that's interesting. Right. Well, and that's where finding the conflict of them doing their dream cars, at that, that episode, it's like, we're going to have fun driving around in our nice cars. How, how are we going to make this interesting yeah. to the viewers? And that's where the idea of them also having to track down the first cars the that first they bought cars. Yeah, and yeah. actually road tripping them. So that's yeah. one. I've seen some comments where people are like, oh, you script everything. And it's like, there is an outline. And that's not even yeah. followed half the time. Well, the, but, the the budgets and the purchase is is you know a little bit fabricated because that like you guys 
you know, you don't randomly find them. You have maybe already purchased them. We already we look for cars every day. You do every yes. day, but yeah, yeah. The the storyline of you finding them is a little bit so a little bit of artistic so I've, license. I've, I've bought every car that I've had on that um, on Auto Tempest, like and. I mean the, the the super I bought on Auto Tempest five years ago, so that, yeah. that was you know. <laughs> right. There's nothing. There was nothing that said it couldn't be you know like five years ago. Like it didn't didn't have to be uh, the budget now. It could have been the budget, you know, back when we didn't have and, supers that and, and were hundred thousand. Mods never counted until you suddenly have fifty thousand dollars in mods in your thirty thousand dollar dream car garage. Yeah, I mean Ed Ed cheated real bad in the first one where he got you know he put in another. 18 grand into his Gallardo. I was like, that car was like 70 or $80,000. It was, it was insane. Well, it's just like the ADM for Corvette C8. So yeah, right. it's fair. Well, yeah. So like a, the, the Z06 is, uh, is clean. I like it. Um, I am just not a Corvette guy. I've le- I've learned, uh, I've driven it a few thousand miles. It was super solid. Uh, it's real fast, real fast. It sounds great. Uh, it's very comfortable. The stereo's good. Uh, AC's good. It's like it's just a good all-around car. I had but, a blast on the dragon with it. Yeah. Uh, don't check the brake uh, rotors. Just, just you know, <laughs> don't look at them. That's a weak point on those cars, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jared will tell you that. Um, and uh, it's it, but it is a, a very, very capable car. And uh, I did try to take take good care of it. So, you know, I felt a little bit offended when you're like, oh, I don't want people to know. They're like, I think you should let people know. I should I like this is this is what you know. You know well, what? I, I bet you, know, you it's, it's a dealer it's tactic. Brand right. identity. It's, I bet you it's we'll a dealer tactic because the description for that car is going to be like the world famous Chevy Z06 used in car trek, seen <laughs> do, by do, millions. Do you know that that that, that adds zero to the value, well, at see, least this in is, our world. For Ed, somehow it works. He can sell uh-huh. garbage to if a garbage put, collector. If you put a, a ad on a wholesale car club uh, with this car mentioning that this is in a you know world-famous car trek thing, I'm just going to laugh my ass off. It's, it's, it's good. I thought you were going to like make me a bet that if you do that, it'll get more money, but I don't. Oh, no, no. I, I, think, I think it will. Well, I, no, I see, think this is how you will. get more money. You can say it has fresh heads, so you don't have to worry about the valve problem and new clutch, but don't worry. It wasn't installed by Tavares. Jared, a wrench every day did the work. <laughs> Oh, I'll put okay. it. No, the, the real test is putting it on the Corvette buy sell trade group on Facebook because they are the most critical bunch of cranky boomers on the planet. What? Well, that's and one of how many? Have, <laughs> have we figured that one out? One of yet? one that was yeah. on car track. And they're, right? all, they're all in Boca Raton. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like my Corvette, it is a one of one. No, I yeah. think uh, honestly, yeah. it, my car, my Corvette is best Corvette. To answer because your rare. question from way, where my Corvette is best Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> because Freddie farted in the seat. Here's my torque. Here's my I, th- I think car. pretty much everyone farted in that seat. <laughs> um, I think Are, okay. Hoovy's SLS was probably my favorite car, even though it's very like vanilla, whatever. It's an SLS. I like those cars. It okay. was a cool color. Whatever. I don't know that. Sure. It's, it's a boring answer, but that or well, obviously Patina nine nine six. Yeah, that, that's my favorite car because I know it. I know the owner, his family, like that story is so cool. With its t- 220 horsepower at the rear wheel. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh my, that's, that's I some... don't think that dyno is accurate. I raced, I did a second gear pull with a 3.6 car, which is three something, and I pulled on him. 
So he a was also stock three six. So that well, car was also broken. Here's the thing. That's what we figure. We said, okay, well, you know, his, his engine must be complete. You know, it was bore scoring, IMS failure, all that, all all at uh-huh. once. It's just because how does the Supra and the the Trans Am Trans Am make the right? They were still somewhat off. Well, they we found not. the reason why the t- Supra was off. The and turbo was, was coming off the manifold. It, it wasn't the, the blow-off valve. It was, yeah. The, the the bolts were backing themselves out in the turbo. The, and <laughs> after a certain amount of boost, the turbo just literally came off the manifold and leaked all the boost out. <laughs> so, you know. But this is why we don't trust the bolts that come in turbo kits. Get your own good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, out. Jared, as as unofficial stunt driver on, um, on Car Trek, who is the best driver of the three and who is the worst driver <laughs> well the worst is with us he's how, the, how dare you what how tyler you? couldn't even stop his car at the end of a runway so well the reason i'm gonna flag freddie as the worst is he has the most self-preservation instinct so i don't know if you saw in the last car track but that rockford turn that I did with the RX-7 was fire, okay? It, it was, it slapped. It then, was, then Ed caught fire. Tank slapped? No, <laughs> no not tanks. It was no, good. It, it was good. But when it comes down to it, Freddie will always put his life first. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, so who's the so, best driver? I, I'm, I, I'm going to say. Ed's going to take it as an insult that you had to think about that. Well, Tyler is much more precise. If you want something precise, you get Tyler. If you want something brute force and showy, it's Ed. Because Ed, of the three, is the least worried about surviving. I don't know. I think Tyler's more (laughs) – I think, honestly, Tyler's more showy. What what he did with a Trans Am on that track, he had it yeah. everywhere, and you can tell at a, at many points he did not have control of that car. Right, but <laughs> like, but everywhere no, like it was he, not a controlled slide; it was an current. uncontrolled but, slide. But everywhere Tyler did it, it was safe to do it in the sense that he had lots of room to go into grass. Okay, Ed, do you who slammed into a tree at fifty miles an hour? The person that you said is the best driver. I didn't say he was the best. I said the showy. Okay. Because he has the least self-preservation. So you understand that uh, I am the worst driver out of a group of, uh, of somebody who smashed into a tree <laughs> on camera. Okay? And like, somebody that ran off the end of yeah, the runway. Yeah, ran off the end of the runway. So, like, Aww. this is – we are in great company here. Like, this is just a so fantastic I think we need to go. we need to go back to drift school. So, you know what? In the next one, I'm going to show everybody up. Okay. I, it's it's gonna be a thing I where I, I look act, forward to seeing that. Act, okay, absolutely. Wait, wait. this wait, he's so, smack talking. I am. I know it's surprising. This is, this but, is good. Okay, I'm pissed. <laughs> but here, let's go there. At the end of Drift University, you get your chevrons for how what basically if you're a beginner, advanced, intermediate, and then each student gets an award for the day. Your award, most improved. I got best line, which to me is like I'm really proud of that one because that's basically a competition line so mm-hmm. me yep. and the car trek bmw maybe maybe competing uh he got most smoke and i think yeah. that's what he's blowing right now <laughs> the most smoke i got most smoke first of all first of all drifting is about style if you have more smoke that means that your wheel speed is up and that means that you're doing see i'm an entertainer guys okay i'm not i don't care about lap times well, i don't the, care the, about the, lines the, I here's wanna, the thing though i think taylor he didn't have a chevron for most 
brown smoke because it was the dirt. Oh, so much dirt, dirt that you were blowing yeah. up. Let's, you know what? It doesn't matter what color the smoke was. Because if we're being honest, I am pretty sure I also had the most smoke of the day. You were off your car the was dirt on fire a yeah. lot. Yes. Well, that too. Yeah, yeah. You did a lot of backing. If we into just the went dirt. onto the track and lit a car on fire, I think you would get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most right. on fire. Well, with all that, I, I do think we need to come back to Drift University. Oh. That was an incredible experience. So um, I just feel incredibly slighted by the people <laughs> on this couch right now. Well, just we're out know. of time, so you don't have time to yeah. defend yourself. That was oh, it's, it's amazing how that happened. How that timing so, worked. You how, asked how, the right. Yeah. How, con- how convenient that is. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> it's almost uh, like you control this podcast. For- <laughs> <laughs> Freddie, Jared, thank you for uh, being on here. It was great times yesterday. Um, good discussion today. And um, yeah, just appreciate having you on. Cool. And yeah, thank look you for having to us. seeing you again. Thank Absolutely. you very much. And look forward to the upcoming ep- episodes of Car Track with the extremely rare Corvette Z06, which I now own. Are you going to do a call to action for your own channel? A call to action for yeah. my own channel. Yeah. On this podcast? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, I am, but it's going to be done afterwards. Oh, I mean, you should, oh. there's never enough calls to action. If you guys are watching this and not subscribe to uh, Switch Cars, is it? Hmm? Is that, yes, YouTube.com slash Switch Cars. YouTube.com slash Switch Cars. You should definitely go do that because uh, if you aren't, you're missing out. If you're watching, you're probably already subscribed. <laughs> probably not. Look in your analytics. Look in your analytics. That's probably not the case. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. See ya. Thank you. We're happy to have Nuts for Sticks as a sponsor of SwitchCast. Nuts for Sticks is a fantastic merchandise site where you can get t-shirts, car-related t-shirts that usually also have dad jokes and puns on them. They have a great selection of high-quality t-shirts there, so go check them out at nutsforsticks.com and use discount code SWITCHCAST for 10% off your entire order. Again, that's nutsforsticks.com, discount code SWITCHCAST. Well, thank you guys for listening. This was a fantastic interview with Freddie and Jared. We had a lot, a lot of fun, even though it was definitely not air conditioned in there. So it got a little bit warm and it was great to tour the shop uh, down where Jared works on his cars and see some of the projects there as well as just get to know the guys better. Thank you to uh, our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machine, Stephen Holm Woodworking, and Nathan's Detailing. Thank you to our producer, Ethan Huffnagel. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to answering your automotive questions and entertaining you to help you on the drive of your life.